0: Rejection is a necessary byproduct of the whole process. It's definitely not personal, and it happens to everybody.
1: Welcome to the Super Podcast, designed for medical trainees looking to take time out of training for a clinical research fellowship in the UK. Each week, we'll bring you a 15-minute discussion with a leading expert in the UK medical research process, or from a successful research fellow sharing what they wish they'd known before they'd taken their time out. I'm your host, Nikhil Alawalia, and on behalf of the British Junior Cardiology Association, and with support from the BHF Clinical Research Collaborative, we're proud to bring you this series. Uh, we are very lucky to be joined by Dr. Upasana Tyle. She graduated from Oxford University to take up an academic foundation post in the Oxford Deanery. This is where she first became involved in academic research, completing her initial work in cardiac MRI, a field she later returned to in 2014 when she undertook an MRC Clinical Research Training Fellowship in cardiac imaging and the genetics of dilated cardiomyopathy. This was at the NIHR Cardiovascular Biomedical Research Unit based at the Royal Brompton Hospital and Imperial College London. For her high-impact work on using CMR imaging and genetics to risk stratify patients with DCM, she was awarded two Young Investigator Awards by the London Cardiac Society and the American College of Cardiology. So, Dr. Tao, thank you so much for joining us uh, this evening and take, giving up your
0: time. It's a pleasure, Nicole, and thanks so much for the invitation. I think what you're setting out to do is super impressive and I think it'll be really valuable. And I wish I had something like this when I was starting out. It's a pleasure.
1: So I want to start by asking about supervisors. I, I think it's such a difficult process to identify the individual supervisor, but also the team who are going to be such a big part of your life for three to four years. How did you try and figure out who would be the right fit for you?
0: So I think two things. One is read widely and attend lots of conferences and, and meetings because you know, just to see people that a few years ahead of you and then say many years ahead of you and see who's producing groups, who's producing research and, and papers from which groups you, you think you want to be a part of, or the research that you think you want to be a part of. Um but the second part of that is really just to meet people and have lots of conversations and not just meet the the principal investigator i think that's really important um and i certainly i didn't do this so much for the foundation program but definitely for phd mm-hmm. meet the fellows in that group okay meet the current fellows try and get a feel for where the previous fellows have gone and do they look happy so does everybody in the group look like they're having a good time doing their research and i don't mean like necessarily just enough loads of conferences but do they speak well of their supervisor and generally people will tell you you know um peer-to-peer what things are like and you get a really good feel of it um and figuring out what's happened to previous fellows is also a really good indication of whether you're likely to be able to complete your pro your research and um, where what they go on to be and they won't all necessarily stay in academic medicine because that's you know um, quite normal but did they have a positive and productive time and i think that's a really useful insight as well as speaking to the actual Big person who I knew would be a good fit for me. And and that is particularly a nurturing sort of, you know, someone who's around and visible as opposed to someone who's necessarily away a lot. And I I knew I definitely needed that sort of environment.
1: Yeah.
0: It worked out really well. Um, I won't obviously name any names, but I did also speak to various people in other groups where. and, and things that are just you know different for different people, but the balance of service commitment during a PhD, for example, was just in the wrong direction, and, and some fellows had really struggled with that. Or particular PIs being um, never really visible on the ground, and so uh, they were left in the hands of, of a postdoc or you know things like that. And you hear those things happening quite a lot. And they really they can work for some people. I just knew it wasn't going to work for me.
1: I think I want to touch on the idea of rejection and resilience as far as you're comfortable to talk about.
0: Yeah, and I think these are really important topics and I'm really glad to have the opportunity to talk about them, um, about the resilience needed in academic medicine and um, just a couple of key themes around that and one of them is rejection Mm -hmm. and um, when was it, I had my Wellcome Trust interview and I think when I found out I didn't get it, and it was the Tony Newman-Taylor, who was then the head of research at the NHLI, uh, rang up my supervisor and said, such a shame, um, we think she's brilliant, but but it will be very valuable learning for her, um, for her academic resilience and her academic career going forwards, and at the time I was like, well, that's very annoying, but actually I kind of know what he means now, and it you know it's really disappointing and it's hugely frustrating particularly you know with grants and papers when you put in a huge amount of work but really it's just rejection is just part and parcel of the academic process and it's the nature of the beast because not everything can get published everywhere and not everybody can get money for everything all the time um because there has to be the process involved so the process you know the peer review and all of that has its frustrations and we can I can rant about that separately at another day. But in terms of what it means for you as an individual and particularly an early career or an early stage researcher, is that it's really important to remember that, to just pin that on the wall and and remember that rejection is a necessary byproduct of the whole process. It's definitely not personal and it happens to everybody. Um, And it's really easy to lose your confidence in the early stages when it happens to you because I think with clinical medicine it's a very different kettle of fish you you generally go through a series of processes and hoops and stages you sort of know where you're going next you know what you need to do to get there and as long as you work hard enough you'll probably get through and everything will be okay academia is completely different you could work as hard as you like mm. and as hard as you possibly could work and, and put everything into it but you may still not get to where you want to go to and that's just a really different mindset to get your head around.
1: I mean, that's a a very mature and sensible way to think about it now. But if I could take you back to when you got that email or letter from MRC, I mean, uh, how long was, did that affect you and uh, what did you do? I mean, how how long did it take for you to pick yourself up again and go go back for another Mm -hmm. grant?
0: So what I had done at the time was, which I don't know for sure is necessarily the the best approach for everybody, but I had submitted fairly um, concurrently to Welcome and MRC. So I knew I had another shot, but then I hadn't submitted anywhere else. So I felt like a lot was was riding on this. Um, But some people recommend that you submit consecutively so you have a chance to improve your application before the next approach. But then that makes what's already a long lead time even longer. Mm. Um, But yeah, it's hugely gutting because particularly with fellowship applications, it takes, you know, as I said, months and months, if not years, to write these things or to get everything together. Um, So it's hugely disappointing and it's really hard to not take it personally, particularly at the beginning. Now I'm, um, you know, however many years down the road from from that early stage um, and I think a bit more sanguine about it.
1: Who did you look to for support?
0: it's really important to have a a good team around you and not I don't just mean upwards with your supervisor but I mean a really good peer support team and that can either be like formal or informal you know either people in your group or just people who are registrars coming up with you who are going through exactly the same thing yeah with a few of us going through it all you know at the same time and you know a few people ahead of me had had I think very similar experiences rejected by welcome then they got their MRC fellowship and actually just hearing about that sort of normalizes it and it, it makes it just something that happens rather than something that has happened to me in particular. Um, but you're so right because I think fellowships are a bit more personal, whereas papers, I think it's a lot, easy, a lot easier, certainly for me to separate that from because um, that doesn't feel like it's so much of a rejection of me. It feels like it's, you know, the science overall. Yeah. I think fellowships are a little bit more personal
1: sure um so i I guess moving through the 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 phd uh, when was the next time you experienced any sort of uh, challenge big challenge rejection something like that that you you felt really tested
0: so i think the next big challenge is really the change in mindset from clinical medicine to academia um and the one of the really big things is that research just takes time and Mm. in clinical medicine particularly cardiology which is a very busy sort of hyper acute specialty things don't take time right you make your decisions there and then generally you you know you assess your primary patient definitely you know in minutes um, but even when you were in clinic you you generally make your plan that clinic that day um definitely on the wards you'll know whether your plans working or not your management you know over a course of days research is a completely different kettle of fish um, you could do things and And make your plans as it were or do your research or um get the ball rolling but you may not see any results or any output for months and months and in some cases when you're doing longitudinal follow-up studies it could be years yeah and so it's really hard particularly at the beginning when you're you i certainly found it particularly challenging having come from at that stage a really busy dgh post um to academia and i was like Hmm. I, I, at some time, I was like, you're going to pay me to read papers all day? It just didn't seem to make sense that this was now what I did and, and my my role. Um, so that definitely took a bit of adjusting too. And I don't think I necessarily figured it all out at the time, but the advice that I would give now um, would be to, to build in early or easy wins. Um, and by that, I mean busy yourself with other things like writing a review article because you can use some of that content for your introduction and your thesis later perhaps or see if there are any existing data sets in your group that somebody just hasn't had the time to analyse and Any busy research group will have lots of these. So little pots of data that, um, you know, a fellow previously was meant to get around to, but just ran out of time before the end of their thesis or, you know, other bits, or somebody who's currently in the group who just doesn't have the bandwidth to do something um, and make yourself available for things like that. Because I think you can then sort of fairly quickly start working on, you know, your analysis skills and and writing and um, all the while doing your primary project. And actually you'd be really surprised you never quite know where things lead you and i know plenty of people for whom their um these sort of early win projects have actually that weren't really meant to be their main research yeah have actually gone on to be much more productive than whatever they intended to do to start with so it's definitely those are my two pieces of advice is that you know research takes time so find some early wins
1: moving later on into your academic career i imagine that comes up again when you're submitting papers because you're not always going to get into your your first choice journal. How have you uh, how how do you process that sort of re- rejection now?
0: It's still really annoying. I can't, yeah. I can't cushion it. It doesn't it doesn't affect me, and I don't take it personally. I just find it intensely annoying. And um, the and I in the process of a lot of ranting to lots of people about it over the years, they have actually come to realise that generally. Um, Generally, all of that will make things better for, for wherever it's going to end up. And um, my supervisor often talks about, you know, we didn't get into whatever journal here, but that meant that we got a jammer paper later or whatever, you know, this um, example. So, yeah, every, every bit of feedback is, is useful. I wouldn't say you have to take it all on board, but, you know, consider it um, and make it better it does just get easier and um my conversation with my training program director about this daryl francis he says the way that you've got to think about papers is like little um soldiers going off to war and that you know you really hope that they return but they may not (laughs) and that's okay
1: coming to the end now if you had to give a final piece of advice or i suppose a first piece of advice to yourself going back all the way to the time let's say before you even applied or, as you were writing your applications for your PhD, what would you say is like the golden piece of advice to give yourself?
0: It'll be all right.
1: Yeah. Great. Uh, so, I think uh, we'll leave it there. And thanks very much for giving up your time. I think that's been fantastic and I'm sure be incredibly uh, useful to uh, the doctors who listen. Next time on the podcast. There is no curriculum, right? So, when I started, I was thinking, what am i supposed to do and what the hell is a phd for well, how do i get a phd you know I, I didn't even know what a phd was i sit down with dr george collins a welcome trust clinical research training fellow at the university college london he discusses the transition from clinical cardiology to a benchside research project in immunology and also his pragmatic approach to taking time out of training and
0: finding the right research team